Ecclesiastes in chapter 4, Ecclesiastes is not far from where we were in Psalms, Proverbs, and just keep heading that way, Ecclesiastes. And uh, the lesson this evening, again, this is Wednesday night Bible study. This will be more of a teaching than preaching tonight. And uh, it is not going to be on Revelation. I had some people say, hey, Pastor Caleb, uh, if you could do the Revelation study tonight and just do like nine chapters. And then when Pastor John comes back, he can just give us that final, you know, the amen, and then we'd be all set. Um, And then others are like, no, I'm liking that too much. Don't try to speed that up. So I decided I'm not going to touch it. Let's avoid all controversy, as they say in the UK. And uh, we will just avoid it altogether. And uh, we believe something very strange here at Hope Baptist Church. Uh, Not something that's wrong, but something that is strange or unusual. We believe in an every word Bible. In every word Bible. We believe that God's promise in Psalm 12, 6, and 7, uh, 12 verses 6 and 7, is that he would preserve the words of God, the words. And uh, we don't just believe that we have a nice, uh, we have the truth of God. We don't believe that we have what God basically wants us to know. We don't think we struggle and strive to find what it is that God has said to man. Uh, no, we believe that God has told us explicitly in his very words, and we believe that about the Bible. And so that being said, uh, I think it then behooves us to be very particular and very precise when it comes to our understanding of what the Bible says and what the Bible means. And of course, I think you agree with that as well. I'm not staking out a new position this evening. Uh, but one thing that challenges my heart and helps me and actually grows my faith and love for the Bible is when I look at a word that I think I know and I think I understand and I think I could define it and I think I know how it works and I think I understand the commandments associated with it and then I look at it afresh and I just look at it and say, okay, what does, the, what does this word actually mean in the scripture? What does the Bible say about itself and about this word? And I was challenged Thinking about the word admonition, how many of you have ever been admonished? Ever been admonished? Okay, so this tells me that we don't all know what the word admonish means. That's what that tells me. I would like to show you uh, a little bit of what admonition looks like, if I could give you an example. Okay, uh, I have children. A million of them. It, well, it feels that way. There are only four. There are only four. Uh, but I have four children, and I'm, admonition looks something like this. When my child is reaching up underneath the piano and grabs at the fabric beneath there and starts pulling on it, I go, no! That's admonition. That's, now, that's, that's only one variety of admonition. So, hearing that... Now, don't raise your hands this time, because... We don't really like to raise our hands here, but I think we've all been admonished then. Wouldn't, don't you think we've all been admonished at some point? Now, that is not the, uh, the, the sum of the term and what it means. We'll actually look at what the scripture says about it. But I would like to uh, challenge you to think of admonition as a gift. As a gift. And by that, I don't mean it's a gifting. I don't mean it's a gifting. I don't mean like some people have the gift of admonition, although I'm sure that some of us do. Some of us do. Uh, for whatever reason, I was... I was uh, when I was born and when I was younger, I looked normal, but about 26, 27, 28, uh, I got blessed with the appearance of a, of a principal. And um, every room that I walk into with young people, for whatever reason, I, I love them and I think they're great and I love all the games that they're playing, but they just, I guess I just have this principal look. I'm talking about like the principal of the school. Um, and I don't, I don't, you know, I just, it's just what happened. And so maybe you would, if we're thinking of this as a gifting, maybe I have the gifting of admonition, but that's not what I mean. I mean, Admonition 
is a gift that we can give. Admonition is a gift that we can give, and admonition is a gift that we can and should receive. Now, perhaps in here tonight, we have many great receivers of admonition as well. If not in quality, at least in quantity. Maybe in quantity, no. Uh, Have you ever noticed there are just some kids who just need to be told more than others? Do you ever known anybody who could not learn something by someone else telling them they had to experience it themselves? Have you ever known someone like that? Okay, I, I, I have known someone like that. I've known a few someones like that. And um, it's like, you, you really, you don't have to put your finger in the socket yourself. You can believe when someone else tells you, but some people just have to learn it. Um, but this, this admonition, what I, what I intend to do is I intend to take you, and we're going to turn our Bibles a little bit extra tonight, but I, just, I intend to take you to each place in Scripture we see the word admonition, and I hope to show you support for this definition that I'll give. And there's some blanks there. If you look under admonition defined, here's what admonition is. Here's what admonition is. It is words communicated to warn against a dangerous choice. It is words communicated to warn against a dangerous choice. Say, where does this definition come? This is my own worked-up definition from studying the word, this word in Scripture, and the different forms of it in Scripture. And we'll see how it stacks up as we look at these passages tonight. Words, it is also words communicated to set the parameters of acceptable behavior and to correct one who transgresses those parameters. It is words communicated to set the parameters of acceptable behavior and to correct one who transgresses those parameters. This is a Bible study. This is a word study. Are you in Ecclesiastes 4 already? Let's see the first mention, and it's going to help us answer the first question. Who needs to receive it? Who needs to receive admonition? Letter A, little children and the aged. Little children and the aged. Uh, Just polling the audience, is that a kinder word than old? I don't know. I think it's a good one. Little children and the aged. According to Ecclesiastes 4.13, little children and the aged are judged by their response to admonition. Surely there's no shame in requiring admonition. There's no shame in that, but there is shame in rejecting it. Ecclesiastes 4.13, would you look there please? Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. So what we see here, who needs, who needs it? Who needs admonition? At what point do you grow past needing admonition? A certain level of maturity, certain level of age, certain level of wealth or of power or of influence or office or status. No, as a matter of fact, the, the Bible took <clears throat> the least of these language and the greatest of these language and said both those groups need it. You don't get any higher status, wealth, or position than a king, and you don't get any more lowly than a child. And both of them need it. And both of them, so it's not a crime or a sin to require some admonition. However, if you receive it or if you don't, will make a big difference in whether you are blessed or not. By blessed, we don't mean, is God ever going to do anything good for you? But that state of being blessed, that state of living in God's favor. All right, let's head from here, and we'll move quickly at first, and we'll slow down at the end, to Jeremiah chapter 42. Keep turning right in the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 42. So the little children, the aged, require it. They need to receive it. Letter B, it is anyone who has transgressed God's commands. Jeremiah 42 and verse 19. 
The Lord has said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Will you read the last part of the verse with me? Ready, begin. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. So he says, he says, don't do that. And then he says, I have admonished you. Don't do it. I have admonished you. And then if you read the next several verses, he actually lays out the sins that they have committed, the things that they have done wrong. So, well, what are we doing? I'm trying to establish what the Bible actually says about admonition. Um, I personally am thankful for the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. All right? I'm thankful for it. I have a big green one. I've got the big green one. I know it's free on the internet. I'm aware. But I like the big green one because it takes up lots of space on my shelf and makes me look like I have books. And people have lots of books are educated and smart and sophisticated. So I like to have the big ones. I also have a Strong's. Strong's is free. You can get it anywhere. You can get a PDF. But I, I get the big one. You know what I mean? Mine is called the strongest strongs, as a matter of fact. But those books are helpful, but the Bible is the best commentary on itself. And the Bible is, even if it weren't the best commentary, it is our final authority. It's our final authority. So that's what we're trying to do is establish what this word, what this word means. So it is words communicated to warn against a dangerous choice. God is saying, you have an option to go to Egypt. Don't. I've admonished you. And then he tells them the second part of this definition. It's com- he's communicated parameters of acceptable behavior. He's given them commandments. And then he says, and you have erred. You have sinned. You have transgressed those commandments and those parameters. That's what he does in the rest of the passage here. So it's any- who, re- who needs admonition? Anyone who has transgressed God's commands. All right. Number two, as we travel to the book of Romans, the book of Romans in chapter 15. Number two, I know you can't write and turn at the same time, who is a candidate for giving admonition? And some of you are like, I am ready to come to the front of the class, teacher. I am, I am, I am your manzatara, right? I am, I'm, I'm him, as they say. I'm him. Maybe you don't, you're not aware of this. I'm him. I'm the one, they've been, I'm the one you heard about. Uh, okay, you, ha- you obviously haven't. Who is a candidate for giving admonition? Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Look at that, uh, if you would, at verse 14. This is, of course, Paul speaking. And he gives, he gives quite a compliment. Um, he gives a, actually, he gives a nice layered compliment here. Verse 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye are also are full of goodness, filled with all, what's the next word? Man, you're full of goodness. You're filled with, you're filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. It is a compliment. The Apostle Paul is saying, I want to compliment you because you are able to admonish. But there's also something implied here when he says, you're able also to admonish, what are those last two words? One another. So this is implying both a giving and a receiving. So who is supposed to be giving admonition? Admonishing. Who's supposed to be doing that? Christians, this is letter A, full of goodness and all knowledge. How many of you feel less like a candidate for giving admonition now than you did when we started? Personally, I do. I do. Uh, the Apostle Paul doesn't say this is a prerequisite, but he does, he does tie the, he does bundle them, he does bundle these, these compliments together. And uh, I think that's interesting, and it's a, it's a challenge. But who's a candidate for giving admonition? Christians, full of goodness, and all knowledge. 
You know, we have some great examples in Scripture of people who are willing to give and to receive admonition. You know, uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 141, verse 5, Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. So who's a candidate for giving admonition letter B? It's the Word of God. The Word of God is a great candidate for giving us admonition. Give us admonition. I have good news. If you don't like to be corrected by people, if you put, get your nose in the Bible, you will find plenty of things to correct your attitude adjustment. There's plenty in there. I tell you, and it doesn't even matter what Bible reading plan you use. If you're the type of person who's like, look, I just like to read the Psalms and meditate, I promise the Lord has some admonition in there for you. If you're like, oh no, I love to read about prophecy, trust me. Admonition is there. As a matter of fact, the, the, the scripture tells us that all of that Old Testament, when, when God is, I mean, God is laying bare the sins and the trespasses and the failings and the rebellions of his children. I mean, could you imagine if God chronicled our lives the same way for posterity's sake to read? Well, some of us are doing it on Instagram and Facebook right now. But if God did it and got an accurate record and then shared that with your children and your grandchildren, um, how would you feel about that? I would not be too excited about the release date of that publication. I would probably try to flee the country before that came out. But the reason God himself and the, uh, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us that the reason, the reason that that is published for us in God's word is for our examples and to admonish us. To admonish us. That's why it exists. His word admonishes us. Look at you, look if you would at 1 Corinthians 10 in verse 6. 1 Corinthians 10, if you'll head there. There are only a handful more of these references trying to establish and answer these questions about Scripture. I want to encourage you, if you feel um, as you read Scripture that you don't get a lot out of it, and by that I mean you don't feel as though you've been given a task or a correction or um, uh, a motivation or a path for, for that day, I would encourage you to interrogate the Scripture. I would encourage you to ask the scripture questions. And by that, I don't mean talk to your Bible. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, okay, so I see this commandment. Is this commandment for me? Who is this commandment for? Why is this commandment here? Am I following this commandment? Could I do a better job following this commandment? Am I helping others to follow this commandment? Questions like that could really help your personal Bible reading and, and uh, Bible study. And I just want to, maybe that'll be a help to some. 1 Corinthians 10, now these, this is verse 6, now these things, this is Paul lining out the history of the Jews, were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Verse 11, would you jump to verse 11? Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Letter C, fathers. Fathers. Who's supposed to give admonition? Letter C, fathers are. Would you go to Ephesians chapter 6? And you'll recognize this passage. We hear it quoted frequently. Ephesians chapter 6. Who has the right? Who has the imprimatur? Who has... Who's been given the gavel? Who's been given the authority to admonish? Fathers have been. And um, I want to encourage all, all we fathers to take this command very seriously. According to Ephesians 6, 4, fathers are charged with simultaneously administering the nurture and admonition 
of the Lord. The nurture and admonition of the Lord. Have you found Ephesians 6.4? I haven't found it. Can you read it for me? Ready, go. Provoke not your children to wrath. Okay, so do fathers get to choose whether they want to nurture or admonish? Do fathers get to choose between the two? Like, oh, okay, the Lord's giving me options. I, I'm more of a nurturing type, and so I'm going to nurture the child, and I'm going to have his mother or her mother, I'm going to have them do the admonishing. Is that an option given to the father? Now, it's, not, it's definitely not in the verse. It's not in the verse. Now, God does allow authority to then delegate and administrate authority, okay? So husbands and wives should be able to work together, and it should be that the father's word is the same as the mother's word, and the mother's word is the same as the father's in the lives of the children, correct? Of course that's true. But the command is to the fathers. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now... I don't know, I don't, to provoke our children to wrath, it seems to me the thing that's provoking our children to wrath must be a lack of both nurture and admonition. Maybe it's a lack of one, and not the, maybe it's an imbalance between the two. In other words, we nurture too much and we don't admonish enough, or vice versa, I don't know. But we're spo- not supposed to provoke our children to wrath. What's interesting is that the world will tell you the way you provoke your children to wrath is by telling them no. If you ever feel that way, know that you have been brainwashed and lied to. And when, when I say brainwashed, I don't, I don't mean this like, oh yeah, you're dumb and you've been... No, no, I, I don't mean that. I mean our culture and the, the, the culture that we swim in has lied to you and has made you feel if you tell your child no, if you restrict your child's behavior, that you have somehow hurt them, that you have somehow provoked them to wrath, that is a lie. Amen. That's a lie. You are doing your children a kindness. When you tell them no, you're doing them a kindness. Amen to that. Amen to that. But you also nurture, right? Nurture? Okay, we'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. Letter D, who else should be giving admonition? Spiritual authorities, specifically pastors. And all God's people said, move on to the next point. All right, let's, let's look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12, if you would, head there. Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5. So who should admonish? Pastors should, spiritual authorities should. I'm thankful that the scripture gives very clear instruction and very clear mandates to people that God is going to hold to account. <laughs> Because if he didn't give clear instructions and he was going to hold us to account, that, it's scary enough that we're going to be held to account. Is it not fathers? Is it not those who are leading children, mothers? Is it not those who have a position of authority in the lives of other people, employers, managers? You are going to answer to God for how you oversee and use the authority that he's given to you. That is a terrifying thought. Thankfully, he's told us how we're supposed to behave in those roles. I am thankful for that. It says of pastors here, this is an epistle to a church. This is an epistle to a church. So he's a, Paul is advising a church about how they should behave. Verse 
verse 12 of 1 Thessalonians 5. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and... I've lost everyone. And admonish you. According to 1 Thessalonians 5, admonishing is a responsibility of the pastor. And is hard work, worthy of loving, high esteem. If you keep reading the passage there, that's what it tells us. That we should esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. You know what? I, I do have good news. For those of you who say, man, I don't, I don't really find this, this thing of admonition. Maybe you're non-confrontational. Would you, would you raise your hand? I'm going to raise my hand. If you are non-confrontational, if you would rather, if you would rather disappear than exist. If you would just rather just, okay, my, my goal in life is just to excuse myself out of existence. All right, just get out of the way. Okay, good. Me and Christine, we got a few others with us here. Um, I'm non-confrontational by nature. Uh, and so it's like, okay, well, the, ad, the, ad, the admonition, the admonishing is not for me to do. Because if, if I were supposed to, I'd, I'd, I'd like it or I'd be good at it or it'd be easy to do. Not so. Not so. Do you understand that just because something's hard doesn't mean you don't have to do it? As a matter of fact, have you ever known anything that was worth doing that wasn't difficult? Very, very few things. Very few things. It's a labor. It's work. It is something that for which we should thank God and highly esteem those who will do it. Now, again, when we admonish, our admonition, the mandate to admonish, is from the Scripture. And the things that we're supposed to admonish about should be from the Scripture. So understand, if you say, oh, wait, so I'm just, whatever the pastor says, no, don't do, I'm not allowed to do. Okay, well, let's not get weird, all right? Do you know that in the Scripture, it never says, don't drive a red car. So if the pastor gets up and says, oh, I hate red cars. Anybody who drives a red car is no friend of mine and shouldn't attend this church anymore. Okay, well, thank the Lord we've never had a pastor that weird, all right? Um, But that's really, the color of your car really is none of, if you want to make it the pastor's business, I suppose you could. It's not something that he really concerns himself with, and if he did, you wouldn't really have to worry about it. Uh, Now, it might be that can two walk together except they'd be agreed if it really bothers him that much. I mean, let's take another example, cat people. Right, so the pastor says something about like you know I you know I I would love cats but I love Jesus instead you know or something like that, and you're like oh no I can't possibly serve under this man. Understand his admonition there is outside of the scripture although completely justified. It's outside of the scripture. No, it's outside of the scripture. I don't have any pets. Okay, it's outside of the scripture, and it's not his mandate to admonish in that area. So please don't don't hear this. Especially, I know it's easy when you, when you hear it coming from the, the the platform, the pulpit. It's like oh yeah, of course he's going to find. Some Somewhere in scripture that makes it look like you say we have to do what the pastor says. It's a grave responsibility and it's a labor and it's something that I'm going to tell you, I, I, I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to tell you a secret. I know a lot of, a lot of times when I was in the, when, when I've been in the pew, I think to myself, man, there's this, this is going on and this is going on and this, and the pastor should say something about that. Man, he should say something about that. And then I get up here and I'm like, yeah, maybe next time I'll say something about that. <laughs> Even when those things are biblical and scriptural, it is not easy to, to look in the faces of people and tell them, that's wrong. Don't do that. You need to change your ways. Say, no, it's easy. You know, some of you are, some of you are terrified of your children. Some of you are terrified of your spouse. 
And when I say that, you might think it's coming across as, no, I don't mean it in a harsh way. I mean, it is difficult knowing your own flaws and your own weaknesses to actually have to turn to another person and say, hey, you have flaws and weaknesses too, and you need to change it. It's difficult. It's hard to do, even in love, even full of knowledge and being able to admonish one another. Man, what a difficult task. And so the pastor's job is to admonish. That's what it's supposed I think that's the word we're using tonight, isn't it? Number three, what happens to those who reject it? Number three, should have a blank there. What happens to those who reject it? If you'll continue to Titus, the book of Titus, a small epistle, small letter, chapter three. What happens to those who reject admonition? Letter A, it's self-subversion. So here's some advice in Titus 3 given to a pastor about how to handle heretics. A man that is an heretic, this is, forgive me, Titus 3 verse 10. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition, reject. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. So self-subversion. I, I think the principle that we could draw here, although we are not all pastors and serving in a pastoral role in the lives of others, is that if someone can't receive admonition, don't receive them into fellowship. There is scripture after scripture and Bible principle after principle about not going with a fool. Not being in the company of fools, not being in the um, standing, not in the counsel of the ungodly, or in the way of sinners, or in the seat of the scornful. If someone cannot receive admonition, they are a danger. They are a danger. That's subversion. You know what subversion is? It is undercutting your own case. It is literally working your own destruction, even though you're unaware of it. It is, subver- you know what subversion would be? I can give you an example. It is someone standing on a limb and sawing it off from the tree. That's what subversion is. Someone who is not willing to receive admonition, to humble themselves and receive admonition, is self-subversive and self-destructive. Secondly, they receive condemnation. Condemnation. Someone wisely once said... And this is this is this has stuck with me for years. I heard this when I was in college. Someone preached at a chapel service and said this. And he he said, "We do not break the laws of the universe. Or we do not break the laws of God. Rather, we break ourselves upon them. We do not break the laws of the universe. Rather, we break ourselves upon them. If you will not receive admonition, from the word of God, it is not the word of God that's going to be wounded. If you will not receive admonition from the word of God and from the man of God and from another brother or sister in Christ, they are not the ones who are going to be wounded. You are. If you will not heed warning signs, if there is a bridge out sign and you disregard it, you're not going to hurt the bridge. You understand that, that principle and that concept, I'm sure. Admonition. What happens to those who reject it? He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Proverbs 29. When we harden and stiffen ourselves against admonition and against correction and against instruction, we sow the seeds of our own condemnation. 
Number four, why is admonition necessary? What's the big hairy deal about it? Why do we have to do this? It's uncomfortable for me. I, you, the, I, I thought I was admonishing people, but now you're telling me I was doing it wrong because I, I wasn't full of grace and truth. And what am I supposed to do? I'm not doing enough nurturing. I'm doing too much admonition. Why is it necessary? Letter A, to discern good from evil. To discern good from evil. Say, well, what does that mean? Don't we all have a sense of what is right and wrong? You know, we do have a sense of, of what is right and wrong, of what is good and evil. But you know, that, that sense, just like all the other ones, needs to be developed. Are you aware of that? It needs to be developed. You understand that uh, there's a lot of things that happen in our culture that teach us more, uh, that give us more um, higher resolution on what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. If I could give you an example. Have you, if someone is walking down your street or down your sidewalk and they are eating a Pop-Tart, I don't know, let's go, I mean, a Baby Ruth, I don't know, they're eating something and it has one of those shiny wrappers and they finish eating it and when they're done eating it, they drop the wrapper and continue walking. How does that make you feel? Who here is very angry about that? Who here, I do not care, could not care less. Okay, how many of you are mildly angry? Okay, and the rest of you are dead. But we're glad you're here. So, do you understand, those of you who have a a, a strong feeling about that, you know that's not natural? You know that was trained into you? I'm going to guess most of the people who are very upset by that were probably lived in very clean environments. Probably had parents who said, clean up, clean up after yourself. Don't throw your trash on the ground. And when someone drops their trash on the ground, you don't think to yourself, the reason I feel this awful is because I've lived in a clean environment. My parents put this into me. They told me don't drop my trash. And they, you know, you don't think all that. It's just in you. It is, you have had your sense of good and evil, right and wrong developed. Someone has helped develop it. And you understand there are some things that everyone knows are wrong. You know, there are some things that you think are wrong that other people think are completely normal. We just had a great example. Some of you would be more than happy just leave your trash all over the church building and have no problem with it. Um, you know, uh, I have a friend. I have a friend, and he, uh, he's a good guy. I promise you he's a good guy. But he's all about the deal. You know, we got any wheelers and dealers in here? I know we got some wheelers and dealers. Some people hit the thrift shops, you know what I'm talking about, who just score the deal. Just, there's nothing you'd rather do than go uh, bamboozle someone out of their old Nintendo games at a, at a garage sale so you can arbitrage them and sell them on eBay, right? So there are some of, the, there are some of us who are like, I know I paid $45,000 for that car, but I got four free oil changes instead of three. There are just some who just love the deal that much, okay? Well, this guy, he really loves the deal. And he was telling us that what he does when he goes to thrift stores is he takes the tags off of lower-priced items and he puts them on the higher-priced items and he buys them for the lower price. And when we are told this, he's like, yeah, he's talking about it like it's the greatest idea anyone ever had. And some of you are like, man, i got to take notes. I, I wasn't taking notes now, but someone give me one of those handouts. i got to take notes now. No, I think almost all of us are like... What? What is he thinking? You know, he just, I'll just be honest, he never, he needs to be admonished. And I tried, it didn't take. He needs to be admonished. And he never had that, that particular area, that sense of what is right and wrong developed. He never had it developed. For those of you who say, you know, I would tell my child no, or my grandchild no, or I would let that person, that brother, sister in Christ I care about, I, you know, I don't want to get in their business. And I mean, you ever think this, hey, someone should know better than that. 
How would someone ever know better if no one ever tells them? And now, we're talking about silly things. I mean, I think larceny is not that silly, but uh, larceny is not that silly, but we're talking about some silly things, but when it comes to spiritual things and biblical things, uh, you know, we often vent and st- we often stew and stew about someone did this thing and they shouldn't have and they should have known better. Do you know maybe one of the reasons that other people around you don't know better is because you've never had the courage and love and grace to admonish them? Well, are you saying I'm responsible for everyone's sins around me? Let's not get weird now. Let's not get weird, but we're part of a, we're part of a body. And there's something that each, if it's going to be fitted together, there's something that every joint has to supply. There's going to be some friction and there's some coming together and there's going to be some correction and there's working into a groove. I'm thinking about joints here. And the body needs you. The body needs you. The body needs, it doesn't just need, look, we, we don't need professional admonishers. But we need people who can admonish one another. One another. It's necessary to discern from good, to discern uh, good from evil. Letter B: to discern our ways and God's ways. <clears throat> there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof the ways of death. The last passage that we haven't looked at that has uh, admonish or admonition is Hebrews in chapter eight. Would you please turn there, Hebrews chapter eight, and we're going to wrap it up and land the plane very shortly. Hebrews chapter 8, Moses was admonished while building the tabernacle of God. So we're going to round out the definition here from Scripture. He was admonished. I I don't recall, and if you read back, when Moses is building the tabernacle, God God never says, you did this wrong. You did this wrong. He never says you've sinned and how you've been preparing the tabernacle. And yet Hebrews 8.5 says he was admonished. Verse, uh, verse 5 here, Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. As he was about to make it. So that sort of helps fill in our definition of words communicated to set the parameters of acceptable behavior. You know, there are many ways that we could do things. There are many ways you could try to lead your family. There are many ways you could participate as a member of a local church. There are many ways you could function as an employee. There are many ways you could function as a citizen. And maybe maybe the options you have in your mind of them none of none of them are bad. None of them are wrong. But wouldn't you want to know what is the best way? The the apostle encourages us to approve things that are excellent. That are excellent. It is so, <laughs> it's easy, it's easy to have a preference for something and then to slap on that the label, this is what God wants. I mean, you're aware that the rallying cry of the Crusades was, God wills it. You're, you're aware of that? God wills it. Why, why are we doing this? Why are we spending all this money? Why are we sending all of our young men to die? Why are we doing this? Well, God wills it. It's very easy to take what we want to do and slap, God wants me to do this. Admonition reminds us and clarifies and discerns and dissects between those things that we think are best and that God thinks are best. This is the purpose and why we need admonition. Letter C, to avoid foolishness. We already read Ecclesiastes 4, a poor and a wise child. It's better, better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. 
And then every child's least favorite verse in every parent's comfort and shelter in the time of storm. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Amen. Don't, don't look at me like that. Do not look at me like that. You got perfect kids? Everyone's got perfect kids out here? There's nothing your children does just like, where did you learn that? All right, I guess it's just me. I, this is, I guess this is just therapy for me. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on the couch. And thanks for listening. Uh, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. All right, number five, let's wrap it up. How should admonition, ad- admonition be administered? First of all, oh, Colossians 3.16. That's the one we hadn't looked at. Forgive me. Colossians 3 and verse 16. You're going, you're going to the left from Hebrews. How should we administer this admonition? In psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Colossians 3 and verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing. What are those next two words again? One another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. All right, you, I didn't say it, you did. You said one another. You said one another. I feel like you owe me a song, is all I'm saying. I feel like I'm owed a song. I feel like I need to be taught and admonished in a song and I've been giving you songs for years, and I want a song. So, uh, oh, whoa, whoa, Christine, I mean, are you, what are you offering here? Oh, I don't want you to tell me a song. I'm saying, I, minstrel, I demand a song. That's what I'm saying here. I'm not, by the way, I'm not demanding a song of anyone. But imagine, I mean, imagine if you would, if someone had the chutzpah to come up to you and be like, hey, man, I'm really struggling in my Christian life, and I need someone to teach my spirit and admonish me. Would you sing a song to me? How would that make you feel? Would you be comfortable with that? Would you be comfortable with that? Say, no, I would not be comfortable. Well, how about this? What if, what if, let's do something a little less, a little less confrontational, a little less invasive. But what if we just said, hey, we're going to put all the people in a big room and we're going to get a gigantic harp and we're going to, we're, we're going to get books and everything and you're going to, you get to be anonymous. But because we want you to be able to fulfill what the scripture mandates in singing Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're all going to, we'll actually, we'll even get an, a guy up there and he'll wave his arms around. No one will know why. We'll, it will seem completely pointless. He's going to smile even though he doesn't mean it. And he, no, we mean it every time. And he's, and then we'll just, we'll, we'll make them all, we'll make them all sing so everyone can be obedient together. Would you be more comfortable with that? I trust you'll be more comfortable. Some of you are like, yeah, but I still don't want to participate in that either. Um, the body needs you. The body needs you. This, this gathering of believers and this singing songs, you say, I just don't think that's, that's my gift. I just, I'm looking, I'm looking in here for the gift of singing songs in church, and it's just nowhere to be found. It's nowhere to be found. You know, I actually, I feel like I'm, here it goes again. I'm, already, I'm apologizing for admonishing you. This is ridiculous. Maybe it's because I just need to just be straightforward and not be sarcastic about it. If you are not singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in an effort to both sing graciously in your heart to the Lord and to encourage, teach, and admonish other believers, you are disobedient to the scripture. That I can say. That I can say. 
And I want to challenge you. Not challenge you like if it's time, it's time for us all to man up and to buck up and, and get with it. No. I understand singing music is like, if you're not comfortable with music, it's like another language. And you feel silly trying to, trying to do the musical thing. when you. It's a blessing to be part of a church where there are so many, there are so many who just yielded to what the Holy Spirit and the Word of God has said and just said, I don't have formal training, but I'm going to try to magnify the Lord and encourage those around me. And I, want to, I actually want to encourage you as well. Um, our, our, time, our, times of, our times of worship and our times of singing songs together, although they are primarily about pleasing God and about worshiping Him, they are, it feels weird to say secondarily, they are simultaneously about encouraging one another. I want to encourage you, don't take a song off. Don't take a song off. Don't just wait till we get to that one verse of that song that you really like. Sing the weird ones with us. Sing the weird ones. Sing those old ones with all the melodies and the high notes. And hail to the king we love so well. Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Just, just try it. It'll bless you. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So we're supposed to admonish, but we're also supposed to receive it. Letter B, as brother to brother. 2 Thessalonians 3.15 says, Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Admonition should be administered as a brotherly kindness. Interestingly, in that passage, in that passage in 2 Thessalonians, if you read around it in the context of it there, the Apostle Paul, he congratulates and he... um, encourages and exhorts and he says you have been obedient to the commandment that we've given you and you're going to continue to be so and then he tells them how to admonish in other words how do we admonish by first of all being obedient ourselves how do we administer this admonition by being receiving admonition ourselves letter c with grace and love with grace and love let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. According to Ephesians 6, 4, which we've already read, our admonition should be coupled with nurture. That nurture that's building up, that's sustaining the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So let me just ask you a few questions and review a couple things in closing, and we'll be dismissed. What is your current relationship with admonition? Where are you at with it? Okay, that's pretty vague, isn't it? It is. Let's, let's get more specific. Are you overdue for hearing and receiving admonition? When was the last time you were able to say when you heard preaching or someone correcting you, you were able to say, man, I'm, I'm wrong about that. I need to change. How frequently does that happen to you? How frequent, how frequent would frequent be? Can I ask that? Would you be willing to ponder that for a moment? Could you imagine if every single thing you did in your life, you were admonished on? 
It didn't matter what you did. You brushed your teeth and your wife came in. She's like, you're not supposed to brush your teeth like that. You know, you tried to be a blessing and you put the new toilet paper roll on. She's like, you did it backwards. And then, you know, you go out and you try to wash the car and she's like, you're not supposed to wash the car with that brush. You're supposed to use this one. And then you try to make her breakfast and she's like, I like eggs Benedict. I don't like them scrambled. Okay, you find, well, okay. And then you scrambled and you made them runny. I don't like them runny. I like them fluffy. Could you imagine if every single, could you imagine if you went to work? Now, some of you may have very difficult bosses, but could you imagine if you went to work and from the moment you punched in, every single thing you did you were admonished on could you imagine what a miserable life that would be we would not stay at that employer very long would we so surely there's a frequency of admonition that's just too much to bear but how frequently I mean when was the last time you were admonished how frequently are you able are you willing and able to receive it well Pastor Caleb I really appreciate this message uh, it's, really, it's great for me because I don't need any admonition. It's really great. I'm, I mean, I'm glad you're doing it for all these people who need to hear it. Can that be true? Do you think, we're joking, right? But can that be true? What do you think? You don't have to answer. We all know the answer. It can't be true. It can't be true. Have you ever gotten victory over something like years ago and then you realize you're actually struggling with it again? Has that ever happened to you? Boy, it's happened to me. I remember thinking, I can't wait till I get older and I won't have this struggle anymore. They just sort of recycle and come back around. It's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, so how frequent would be frequent? Like, okay, that's, you know, uh, you all know uh, Brother Charlie Clark. You know, Pastor Clark, he's preached here at our Bible conference. Brother Charlie Clark, his son, Charlie Clark III, he's preached here as well. And uh, he has a policy. And I'm not saying everyone needs to take this policy. It's not my personal policy. Every time he hears preaching, he goes to the altar. Every single time he hears preaching, he goes to the altar. Does that sound too frequent? What do you think? What do you think? Is that too frequent? I don't know. I don't know. He... If he, I think he even goes to the altar after he preaches, which actually is less weird than you think. If you ever do it, you're like, man, I'm the worst at this. I can't wait till the altar call so I can get right, you know? It's true. Every time. You know what he does? And this is kind of, this is a little strange, but he, if the Lord speaks to his heart about something he should change, if he hears admonition from the preaching, from the word of God, from the Holy Spirit, he goes to the altar and he talks to the Lord and he, he surrenders to the Lord that thing. And if the Lord doesn't speak to his heart during a message, he goes down to the altar and asks the Lord, why didn't you show me something? Lord, I'm sure that there's something in my heart that's not right. Would you reveal it to me? Now, if you're not careful, that could drive you absolutely crazy. So be careful. I'm not saying everyone needs to do that, but would once a week be good enough, be frequent to be admonished? When was the last time you were admonished? Are you willing to humble yourself to the admonition of your pastor Brothers and sisters in Christ, ask the Lord to make you willing to receive the wounding of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. How about this side of it? Are you withholding admonition from someone who would benefit from it? Are you withholding it from your children? Are you withholding it from your children? He that spareth his rod, man, this is a tough one, hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Now, I'm a Bible believer, and sometimes I don't believe that. How about you? He that spareth his rod could do better in raising his son? It's not what it says. 
He that spareth his rod hateth. Wow, hateth his son. What, is, what does that mean? I think it's telling us that he loves himself and his own comfort more than, more than his son. Are you withholding admonition from your brothers and sisters in Christ? The body of Christ needs that which every joint supplieth in order to, be incre- in order to increase and be edified. Do you love your brother in Christ enough to tell him the truth? Are you out of balance? Last, last couple of questions here. Are you out of balance in your admonition? Are you administering admonition without nurture? Are you actually, when you give admonition, are you trying to sharpen the countenance of your friend? Or are you trying to satisfy a hunger you have for being right? Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Are you speaking the truth in love? We have many opportunities here in our church with different events and activities and ministries for people to have opportunities to lead and to work with other believers. We have children's ministries, and I'm thinking of Bible conference and all the things that arise there in the kitchen and the kids and the nurseries and the security and the, all that goes on. And um, over the last couple of years, we've had newer people jumping into roles uh, in leadership and working with folks. And I, I often hear this. They'll say, I'm frustrated. Now, a lot of times I'll check in with the leaders of different areas, say, how, how are things going? Is there anything else you need in your area? How can I help you? And I'll often hear people say this. Some of the people that are serving with me keep doing this thing, and we, we said when we started where we're not going to do this thing, and they keep doing it, and I'm really frustrated about it, and it's just driving me absolutely crazy. And I say, well, have you said anything to them about it? Well, no, I don't want to be, you know, okay, okay, okay. Well, let's talk about this. Why is it frustrating you that they're doing that? Because I'm in charge and they weren't doing what I want them to do. That's never been the spirit of someone that I've worked with here. So that's not it. It's like the reason we set these parameters and these boundaries was for the benefit of the people in this ministry. And if we don't do that, then it's going to be harmed and it's not going to go the way it should. And the Lord's not going to be glorified the way that he could be. And, I, and then I will ask that person, do you love that brother or sister enough to have that difficult conversation? Well, I'm afraid of it coming across really mean. And I will say, you can say anything to that person as long as you do it because you love them and because you love the Lord. Are you willing to be admonished? Are you willing to admonish? When we started this evening, maybe we weren't 100% clear on what admonition meant or what the Bible meant when we saw admonish and admonishing and admonition. I think, I hope it's clearer now, and I hope that that clarity gives us more confidence to be obedient to the Lord and to his word.